Hello, everyone. I am here to tell you, audibly speaking, as for the robber I mentioned in the previous episode, he ended up going to jail. because he kept robbing people and then he actually got killed in jail because an inmate got mad at him for glorifying the robberies he used to do when he was on the streets and the inmate got so angry out of compulsivity and impulsivity, he killed the guy. I think it was with a knife. It was definitely with a knife. The streets confirmed that to me. And he he would he the robber would rob people he didn't like. He he didn't just go around robbing everybody, but the people that didn't like him turned him into the police. And all the money that he ever robbed from people and all the items he ever stole from people were returned to the legal authorities. In the Notorious B.I.G. movie, Notorious, came out in 2009, Biggie would go upstairs on the rooftop to change his clothes from school clothing to hustler clothing. And I can confirm that that does happen in the streets. I saw that quite often. Then there's a scene where Biggie sells crack to a pregnant woman and denies being a social worker. That does happen in that world. I've seen that many times. So there are certain scenes that make me go, I have to share um, that those realities are real. So when it came to like my life in the organized crime world, when Biggie talks about the hustler's prayer in in his "Sky's the Limit" song, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to pray. while being raped, pray while seeing others be raped, pray while being beaten myself, praying while others get beaten themselves. I prayed when I got robbed and I prayed when I saw others get robbed. Pretty much every kind of felony I saw that happened to me and others, I was praying. Pretty much every type of misdemeanor that happened to me and others, I was praying. Um, I was praying when I was in the sex, when I was being sex trafficked, I was praying. When I was being human trafficked, I was praying. 
when I was running drugs for people, monsters, and I was praying while I was running the numbers for people, again, monsters. I was praying while cussing. I was praying while defending women. I was praying while protecting myself. I was praying while um, being armed with a gun. And every time I witness all kinds of crimes, there's not one crime I haven't witnessed. I was praying. I was praying before being forced to commit crimes with people. So I overcame that guilt with um, changing my mindset, said, you know, God would not hold it against me that these sins were being committed. And God wouldn't say that I sinned. God would say those people were the ones who were being sinful against me and not you. So telling myself that has helped me to uh, relinquish the guilt. So I just wanted to uh, talk about that part. Um, Now I want to clarify an episode I did a while back. To all the church people who want to know, what do you mean with the title of the episode, Jesus is not the Messiah? Let me clarify I desire for the human rights Jesus to be the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and Lord of Hosts, and the Christ figure, um, and God, what have you. However, um, the religious Jesus tends to be Snatched by the far white right and the fact that it's so easy for that to happen is troublesome for me. So I don't want the religious Jesus who is also snatched by fascists to be the Lord of Lords, the Lord of Hosts, the King of Kings, Son of God, Messiah, and Christ figure, and God, what have you. So a lot of church people want to know, what do you mean when we say human rights Jesus? I'm talking about a Jesus who... Who is not feuding with non-believers, not feuding with unbelievers, um, not feuding with non-Christians, people of all the other religions, and not feuding with seculars, not feuding with all the types of people that the church has historically scorned. Um, that's what I mean when I say the human rights Jesus. Basically, the human rights Jesus is cool with people who are free thinkers and free spirited and free lovers and free livers basically free living 
free loving what have you and that's what I mean to the human rights Jesus Nick okay how would you define the religious Jesus the church people that ask I would say the religious Jesus um tends to say and do things that puts him in the same vein as as authoritarian totalitarians um and I what and I decided that that kind of Jesus is also burdensome to me so let's say there was no Messiah or Christ figure how would that make me feel well I know that my life is still priceless because I'm priceless, so I would still turn out extraordinarily just fine. Um, but church people would go, let's say there's a Messiah Christ figure, would you still feel that way? I would say absolutely. Um, I would still turn out extraordinarily just fine because my life is priceless and I'm priceless. I would still feel the same way. And then, you know, I feel like, um, when I look at my studies of the Bible, especially in the book of Luke, I really had to, to learn that, um, that I see Jesus stressing economic justice in his parables about finances. And when I read the story in John about Jesus' marital woman, Jesus was stressing racial justice in that story. When I see Jesus confronting the Jewish religious and political groups of his day, Jesus was stressing political justice. Um, when I see um, Jesus cursing the fig tree, I'm seeing the stressing of environmental justice in that story. When I see Jesus um, being someone who's unashamed to show his love for sex workers, I'm seeing sexual justice being stressed in that story, um, in that narrative. And um, when I see um, the woman with the issue of blood, I'm seeing Jesus stressing reproductive justice in that story. And when I see uh, Jesus being a threat to the Romans, I'm seeing Jesus stress cultural justice in that narrative. Um, When I see 
um, Jesus having the block, the person who was labeled blind, uh, defending him in front of the Pharisees while they were questioning him. I'm seeing Jesus stress social justice in that story. Um, and I have to make this clear that seeing Jesus do all these kinds of things in terms of who he was said to be. I recognize that um, that Jesus is not like what a lot of church people would say he is. Like, I see Jesus um, expressing um, the concern for domestic violence because in Luke chapter 12, verse 45, it says, But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. So in that story, Jesus is stressing the need to combat domestic violence against men and domestic violence against women. And he's combating in that story um, violence against women and violence against men. So there was, so violence against men and violence against women were issues back then and they're issues now. And so that verse is overlooked by most believers. And also that verse talks about how for some people, not all people who struggle with alcoholism, that alcoholism for some people stimulates that domestic violence spirit within them. So Jesus was talking about that back then. And it's still an issue now. And it rose during the COVID-19 pandemic. And then what Jesus was talking about was there are workers who are abused by their employers as employees. Then that story really veers into how There are people who are treated as slaves by their employers and employers think that they are masters of them. So that the church should really look at that verse because that verse says so much in one verse. And believers would ask me, how come I stop attending church services? And I said, well, the only time I ever learned anything new about Jesus is when I was nine and I learned the, I was shown the ropes of salvation. I learned the basics and fundamentals of what it means to live a saved existence, a Holy Ghost pleasing life. So for 21 years, I never learned anything new in church. I knew how to sing all the songs. I knew how to serve in all the ministries. 
So I didn't feel like I learned anything new. I was like, okay. And basically being told to be myself in a myriad of ways, right? So that's what was happening to me. And then, like, I also remember experiencing intellectual boredom, psychological boredom, and emotional boredom, and spiritual boredom in church because I didn't get any new insights from the stories of old. I kept hearing what I already knew. And I would study the Bible on my own, research on my own. And I was always getting new insights about the Bible that way. I only got new insights from the Bible when I was by myself. Because what I would hear in Bible study and the worship services, choir, practice about God, I already knew. So I was bored every time I was in church. I just acted happy I was pretending with the pretenders because children pretend you know due to adults pretending and so what the pretending was going through the motions of faith but not being of the Christian faith in and of itself and church was just going through the motions I say circular motions I say zigzagging all over the place emotions emotions and of the emotions too so for me to um, be able to tell y'all this story has shown me that um, I didn't really have fun being in church. Now, I don't really like saying that, but it's the truth. And I didn't get new insights about being autistic. I, in church. I didn't get new insights about being black in church. I didn't get new insights about being a organized crime survivor and abuse survivor in church. I didn't get any new insights on that. Or any of those things. So that's pretty much why I left. I didn't come to church to be entertained. I came to church to be fed spiritual meat and I would leave out starving. Uh, spiritually speaking. And they were trying to satiate me with spiritual milk. I can't get full off that. I can't be nourished by milk alone. So I was leaving church hydrate, uh, dehydrated. I was leaving church dehydrated, spiritually speaking. I, I would leave church hungry and thirsty, soulfully speaking. So that's pretty much all the re rest of the reasons why I left. Now, um... It's going to be a short episode. I want to um, talk about um, sex for a minute. I would say that to revisit something quickly, sexual justice um, to sex workers means sex workers' rights. And I see Jesus advocating for sex workers' rights in the Bible by how he treated sex workers. The archaic, outdated, antiquated term is called prostitutes. Um, 
And then the reproductive justice, I, I could see Jesus being for reproductive rights. I could see Jesus um, being concerned about women's health care and girls' health care. I could see Jesus permitting abortion in all of the reasonable circumstances. Um, I'll make these last statements about religion and I'll get to healthy sex, okay? If a seasoning has no flavor, has no value. The far white right fascists make no effort to affect the world positively around them. Therefore, the far white right fascists are of no value to Jesus. The far white right fascists are too much like the world, which makes them worthless. The far white right fascists blend in with all of the world's dictators. And they know they shouldn't do that. Instead, the far right white fascists should already be affecting people positively, but they can't because they are white nationalist fascists. If you're going to be a Christian, you should affect others positively just as seasoning brings out the best flavor in food. The far white right fascists who claim Jesus value pride and personal independence, happiness at any cost, uh, abusive power, pursuing personal needs to the detriment of other people. And let me go back. They value pride and personal independence to the point where they cripple the economy. They've they value strength without feeling. Deception is acceptable to them. Personal peace is pursued by them without their concern for the world's chaos. And they are of weak commitments. Here's my message to the far white right fascists who claim Jesus. Can you hide a city that is sitting on top of a hill? Its light at night can be seen for miles. So... The far white right fascists who claim Jesus choose not to live for Jesus. Therefore, they will never glow like lights. They will never be able to be showing others what Jesus is like. Or should I say Christ is like? Because that will really get their attention. Far white right fascists don't live for Christ. The far white white right fascists... um, don't hide their light because they are full of darkness and the far white right fascists are full of darkness because they are being 
quiet about what's important when they should be speaking on it. They go along with the Orwellian crowd. They deny Jesus' light. They allow iniquity to de- to and crime they allow both iniquity and crimes to dim their light and they're not explaining Jesus light to others and they're ignoring the human rights needs of others the far right right fascists claim Jesus choose not to be a beacon of truth and you know according to biblical theology Jesus is using them to show that they shouldn't shut off his light from the rest of the world. Mm. I had to get that off my chest. Uh, Now I want to talk about um, healthy sex. Now I'll end with that. So I'll say this. I learned and I decided to slow my life down in the realm of sex because when you are an extraordinary person such as myself, many people will attempt to make you the center of the universe and they will treat you in that exact same way, sexually speaking. They will even get the, the notions that because I'm kind to them, their relatives, their friends, and who's ever in their life that they think I should be kind to in terms of acts of kindness. They will inherent the idea a far-fetched idea that I might as well be sexually intimate with them another far-fetched idea that we'll get is that if You show me kindness. I'll share my body with you. And. Some of, you know, these things happened to me in the past. And these things would not happen to me again. That's why my sex partners on off camera will be 
much smaller than I assumed. My partner account will be severely low, extremely low in terms of numeration. I don't count people in that way, but I acknowledge that my sexual partnerships will be few and far between small amounts tiny amounts finding the right sex partners fits the expression of finding a needle in a haystack and sexually that expression applies to um also when you are an extraordinary person such as myself there'll be times where a person has an intent that if I have sex with you society will know about it as a way of I sexually own you um that happened to me in the past and I'm keeping that from happening to me ever again so that's another reason why my sexual partnerships will be minute um And I'm talking about on and off screen. And then, um, when I think about healthy sex for myself, I think about the importance of not having codependency-based sex, or should I say codependent sex. That was what happened back then. There was trauma bonding sex back then. And I'm keeping those things from happening to me now. That's why it's, it'll be hard to have sex partnerships in terms of people that won't be filled with sexual trauma bonding and sexual codependency. Um, because we're extraordinary, even people have been hurting will... want to have la-la land and sexual la-la land with you. And also 
they'll be sexually clingy and sexually needy to the point where it's off-putting and alarming. And these things happened to me in the past and I'm keeping them from happening to me in the future. So I'm giving you more reasons why I decided that it will be um, in my best interest to uh, keep my sexual partnerships on and off camera. Uh, In terms of numeration, small, little, small scale, uh, tiny, miniature, mini, minute, microscopic, micro scale, nanoscopic, minuscule, diminutive, puny, short, end of a size that is less than normal or usual according to society's perspective. Um, and again, on and off camera referring to these things. And another reason why, and other reasons why I decided to keep my sex partnerships small in number is also because um, when you're an extraordinary person The often what happens is is that heat of the moment and sexual heat of the moment and then they'll fickle out and phase out and go on to the next person. Sexually speaking, that's what happens when you're a person like myself. Um, and that happened to me in the past. I'm keeping that from happening to me again. So, when you're a person like myself, it is extremely, excruciatingly difficult to have sex partnerships that are completely healthy. Because so many, most people are not extraordinary. So, when they encounter an extraordinary person, they don't know how to flow with you as a person. And they don't know how to sexually flow with you as a person because they will allow their unresolved issues and unsolved problems to ruin our lives together and our sex life together. Um, For example, it's hard to even find on-screen partners 
know how to display benevolence and sexual benevolence towards me because they have such a societal way of approaching sex that when it comes to me they may not know how to be sensitive to me to be sexually sensitive to me um it's going to be hard to find partners on camera, off camera, who are not sexually desensitized to me, who are not sexually insensitive to me, also because if you treat sex the way mainstream society says to, and then a person like myself, who is extraordinary, comes along, you're not going to know what to do with me sexually what to do with me period because you'll be there'll be such in a shell shock a sexual shell shock of I'm dealing with a person who's forced me to raise my level and it's frightening to them so so many people would say are these other reasons why I want to be an independent contractor in porn yes and so many people would say is that why um, most companies in porn you won't work with precisely. I have to keep the porn company working with small too. Um, because I've been doing more research and there, and most of the, these companies that are mainstream, I'm like, eh, I don't work with them. But the porn companies I work with are all ethical. They'll be small in number like they'll fit in one hand like how many fingers in one hand how many fingers on one hand the answer is five digits four fingers plus one thumb there these are often referred to collectively as five fingers however whereby the thumb is included as one of the fingers. So I think that the porn comes I'll be working with will be between one through five. That's not a lot. In the porn world, that's considered unusually tiny. So it'll be between one to five um, because most porn companies don't know how to handle the fact that... Um, I am such a person who is sensitive to how people are treated sexually on off camera, for example. It's hard for me to work with companies where on the on camera sex, for example, you may be told to do a sexual command. And the sexual command being shouted is said more than the person actually obeying the command. So if it's like, it's like if a person says six times to lick and you only lick three times. So the sexual command shouting 
occurred more than the person actually banged the sexual command because they did it three times and you kept saying to do it six times, right? You didn't say do it six times, but you said it six times and they licked three times. You know, you told them to lick and you said it six times without saying you need to lick me six times, even though that does happen where they'll tell you lick six times and you lick three times. I've seen that in porn, a lot of mainstream porn. And I've noticed that um, in that like mainstream world, from what I've noticed, um, they penetrate more than they actually listen, which I always find odd. It's like... It goes in one ear out the other sexually, which causes a problem, even though they'll do it fast, too fast, and um, they'll overdo it, like, to the point where it's too aggressive, it's too painful, you can tell it's hurting her, and they just feel like after a while they give up because it's like penetrating so much easier penetrating and doing other things with my hands to the woman and she ordered me to do that they feel like my their brains can't compete that it's sexual autopilot i've noticed and um it's like sexual flight or or fight and they'll either be harmful about it with their hands and even harmful with the penetration or they'll just penetrate, or they feel like, man, I, they feel like I can only do one thing sexually at a time, which is okay if you're, if that's something y'all agreed upon fully enthusiastically, but you could tell with the sex, it's like, I've seen women be, um, like, overly sexually submissive, and the man is overly sexually the boss, you know? And I've seen women boss around sexually, so that's why most mainstream porn companies couldn't handle me because I wouldn't like any of this stuff. I would be ruining, like, sets, most sets, because, like, why that way? Why can't it be sold in a different way, you know, when, you know, why can't people be sexually artful? Why do people have to be sexually inartful? You know, that would be me. So I would say most mainstream porn companies I couldn't do. Um, that it it would fit the palm of one hand, one to five. And that includes the ethical companies too, it'd be one to five. I would you know, in terms of how many companies I wouldn't work with a whole lot. So that's just what I've been thinking, what I've been feeling. And um it's just that world I I, I couldn't fully do. Also because I would um have concerns regarding um
like in regards to the sex, these companies really couldn't handle, most of these companies couldn't handle me because sometimes there's sexual accidents and sometimes there is sexual clumsiness and sometimes there are sexual mishaps, sexual misadventures, sexual mistakes, and sexual blunders, like sexual bloopers. Uh, uh, the easiest one I could think of is, and a lot of mainstream have the guys who their penis comes in and out of the woman no matter what penetrative position they're in and sometimes the woman will berate the guy for it and the man will berate the woman for it to berate each other for it but sometimes it's playful berating which is concerning to me because it's the way they do it the man will get in his feelings and verbalize it and the woman will get her feelings and verbalize it. Because I noticed with the sex, um, within that world, um, I dare say that it's, the sex in a lot of mainstream porn is too frisky, too lively, too bouncy, too bubbly, too perky, too active, too energetic, too animated, too zestful, too playful, too cultish, too cultish, too skittish, too spirited, too high-spirited, too exuberant, too frolicsome, too gamesome, too sportive, too frolic, too wanton, and too ludic. Too full, too, too full of energy. It's just too much for the energy. And that's why those things happen. And the other extremes is that um, sometimes the sex in that world is... um, It's too slow, too tortoise-like, too snail-like. And it's just... Too measured, too slow going, uh, too sluggish, too laggard, too lagging, um, too sluggardly, too laggy, and too slow moving. I've seen those extremes as well. Um, so that's why uh, that's those are other things about mainstream where I'm just like, eh, turns apart, I just go, well... That wouldn't be something I want to deal with. So the last reason why um, I decided to keep my sex partnership small on off camera is because most people are, well, how can I put it? Most people are sexually poorly balanced sexually poorly rounded, uh, sexually poorly unified, and sexually poorly adjusted.
And most people are poorly balanced, poorly rounded, poorly unified, and poorly adjusted. And I am well sexually rounded, well sexually unified, well sexually balanced, well sexually adjusted. And I'm well rounded, well adjusted, well unified, and well balanced.